Yeah, cherry pick. That was one big lesson. Cherry pick the good cherries, which is all about compassion and and, um, and loving your neighbor. Before we get started with this episode, I want to ask you a favor, and I have something that I think will serve you. The favor is, would you right now rate and review the show? If you've heard prior episodes, it really serves me. Here's a shortcut to get there. Just type in ratehourpodcast.com, ratehourpodcast.com. Go there. It'll bring you to Mike Up in Your Business, and you can give an honest rating. Quite frankly, it's the best way for me to improve the show with your feedback, and it spreads the word. So thank you for doing that, and make sure you subscribe. That's what I think will serve you. You don't want to miss a single episode. And uh, me here and the gang are about to listen into the interview I did with AJ Jacobs. It is fascinating. This guy is the ultimate human guinea pig. You're about to discover why. Uh, and it's great to see you again. You know, our mutual friend is Dory Clark. Yes, um, she's fantastic. And I remember, she's fantastic. I remember she used to host those dinners in New York. I mean, this is well pre-COVID uh, at some like Mexican restaurant. And right. she, she's like, oh, this guy, AJ Jacobs is coming. And I, I wasn't aware of your name or your work at that point. And she's like, I'm telling you, he's going to steal the show. Like there's going to be like 10 authors around the table. <laughs> and she was talking about uh, the year of living biblically. Um, and you start talking about that and it, it just blew my mind. What inspired you to not just write the book, but to write a, to, to, to do an experiential book like that? Well, I, uh, that's my favorite kind of writing is trying something out, being a human guinea pig, and then writing about what I learned. Uh, because my real life, honestly, not that interesting. So, you know, I don't have, you know, my father is not a, a, a spy or, a, you know, a circus performer. So if I'm going to do something, write about something interesting, I better go out and do it myself. Uh, and I was very interested in religion. I grew up very secular, no religion at all. Uh, I say in the book, I'm Jewish, but I'm Jewish in the same way the Olive Garden's Italian. So (laughs) I got to, yeah. No offense to the Olive Garden. But I was uh, fascinated about religion's continuing influence uh, in our world. And I was like, well, one way to learn about religion would be to live it to live like they did in biblical times, to wear the robe, put on the sandals, grow a beard and, uh, and follow the 10 commandments and try to stone adulterers, which I did using very small stones. So I didn't get uh, thrown in jail and just see how it affected my life. What were the good parts and what were the parts that were maybe not so good because all the experiments I do, I just, I try to have takeaways that make my life and hopefully the reader's life better. So, okay, so you decide you're going to live a year biblically. Um, how do you go about this process? Oh, yeah, that was not easy. I mean, uh, first of all, I read a stack of Bibles and wrote down every... A stack of Bibles? Yeah, not just one, because, you know, there are all these different translations. Yeah. I wrote down every piece of advice that I could find in the Bibles, um, and that turned out to be a very long list, hundreds of rules, about oh 700 gosh. I got to. And I thought, all right, I'm going to try to follow every single one of them. The famous ones like uh, love your neighbor and the Ten Commandments, but also the less lesser known ones. The Bible says you cannot shave the corners of your beard. I didn't know where the corners were, so I just let the whole thing grow. And it was 
uh, it goes past your lovely and, uh, and respectable beard. It got down to my, you know, about my navel and, uh, really? you know, Oh yeah. It was terrifying. You know, I got Gandalf people call me, <laughs> you know, easy top. I heard all the time. Yeah. 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 Uh, and yeah, so I, uh, I, it was, it was learning experience. It was, you know, and some, some parts were wonderful yeah. and have changed my life for the better. Some parts were absolutely uh, just nightmare torture. And, and so, so th- this is a literal one year, uh, 365 days that you are, I guess, to the best of your ability, adhering to these 700 or so rules. That's it. Exactly. So I would, um, you know, I grew the beard. Um, I had to not lie or covet or gossip, which I live in New York city and I work as a journalist. So right there, that's 80% of my day gone. Like, what do I do? (laughs) (laughs) So it was a moral makeover element to it. And then, as I say, there were the, you know, some very bizarre parts about you cannot wear two, wear clothes made of two different kinds of fabric. So, no poly cotton clothes, you know, they're just all these bizarre rules that, uh, that we don't know about. And, uh, it was wonder, you know, as I say, it was wonderful and nightmarish at the same time. How, how does it affect your family, your wife, your children? What's the, doing again? well, there were parts that, that my wife liked because I do think I became a slightly better person. You know, I, I still gossip and lie and covet of course. Uh, but I think, it helped me curb that maybe like 30%. So there, there's some uh, parts that she liked, but other parts in the Old Testament, which I did a lot of work on, it says that you cannot uh, touch a woman during her time of month. Like when okay. she's menstruating, she is off limits. And if you take Leviticus, part of the Bible, really seriously, it says that you should not sit in a seat whereas a menstruating woman has sat because then it's impure. She has made it impure. So my wife found that offensive and sat in every seat in our, (laughs) (laughs) so I had to stand for the, uh, so that was a challenge. I will say I did a book later on trying to be as healthy as possible. And with all this research about standing is healthier than sitting. So in a sense, she did me a favor. Oh, there you go. Any uh, revelations that you had when, because uh, I, I want to talk about every book, but in the year of living biblically, anything you said, wow, um, something I, I wish humanity was still following, or there were some principles that translated over, or something that was just so absurd. I, I'm just curious about the extremes. Oh, yeah. Well, there were tons. Uh, you know, I stopped. I, I no longer stone adulterers, and I wear clothes. <laughs> how do you stone an adulterer? Like, how do you first, like, someone just say, yeah, I'm an adulterer, and you're like, mm, you start winging stones at them? Basically, I was in Central Park in New York where I live and I was wearing my robe and sandals and a guy came up to me and said, what's going on? Why are you dressed like that? I said, I'm trying to follow all the rules of the Bible from the Ten Commandments to stoning adulterers. He says, I'm an adulterer. Are you going to stone me? And I was like, well, that'd be great. That's awesome. <laughs> and I had been carrying around little pebbles for months hoping to run into a, an adulterer who I could identify yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and there he was. So I, um, 
I actually, to, to finish the story, I, I held out the stones in my hand and said, uh, you know, they won't really hurt. He was very aggressive and grabbed them out of my hand and threw them at me. So an eye for an eye is also in the Bible. I thought, all right, I can throw one back at him. So that's how I checked it off the list. Um, as I say, I, I did not continue that habit, but there were tons of lessons and, and lifestyle changes that I made because of the Bible um, or the biblical uh, experiment. One, which we can talk about uh, a little later because it, I did a whole book about it, about gratitude and how yeah. because the Bible talks a lot about gratitude, but just one other would be, um, I love the Bible says, uh, you, you know, one, one day a week, you cannot work. It is the, uh, the Sabbath. And, uh, I think that there is something to be said for that. A lot of people, you know, you might hear about digital fasts, you know, how, how important it is to just put your iPhone away for a certain, and, and um, you know, I, I am constantly tempted by my iPhone mm-hmm. and it's always a, um, it's a challenge, but it's a great one. It, it, the idea of once a week, just taking a break, focusing on whatever your friends, your family, sure. actual printed books. Uh, I mean, it is such a, uh, it, it, a life changer. Have you been able to sustain that practice? I, to some extent, okay. I am. I you cannot lie. I t- exactly. I don't want to <laughs> lie, but yes, I do. Uh, for a long time, for about 10 years, I was really good at it. Uh, recently I've fallen off a bit, uh, cause COVID I think makes all the days blur together, which is all the more reason I should be doing it, uh, to sort of mark off time. But, uh, but when I do do it, it is, I find, uh, it's like, well, there's a phrase, a sanctuary in time. It's like this little oasis and it is very powerful. Oh, that's interesting. And you're still in New York city today. I am. Yeah. Okay. How, how did, how did the, um, your company, cause you had a job, you're, you're doing this year of living biblically. I, I assume you're walking into work with your beard down to your navel and in your robes. I mean, some people are like, AJ's lost it, I presume. <laughs> yeah, I was working at the time at Esquire magazine, the men's magazine, mm-hmm. and they knew what I was doing, but uh, they decided to sort of torture me and make my life even more miserable. That's nice. Yeah. So I remember uh, they're like, let's make him interview a really sexy woman <laughs> so that he, you know, he has covetous feelings. So they sent me out to LA to interview um Rosario Dawson, the actress. And, uh, and yeah, it was, it was very difficult. She's (laughs) quite beautiful. And worse, I, as a journalist, I had to watch her movies and her uh, work is not for the, uh, you know, it's not generally G rated. So I actually, I found this company, I think it was a Mormon company that, that would pre-edit movies for you. So some of her movies, like I had no idea what was going on. They were like five minutes long. So I can only imagine what was going on in the other. It just starts and finishes and that was it. <laughs> exactly. So what's your assessment of, um, there, there's a lot of Orthodox uh, communities and, you know, ex- they go to the extreme. Um, are they really living biblically in your opinion? If you can opine on that. Oh, sure. Well, part of the book was to 
see how these rules and structures could improve my life. Um, another part of the book was to show that we should not be living literally by the Bible, like some people claim they do. Because, first of all, they're just claiming that they do. Uh, and But if they were really living literally by the Bible, they wouldn't be wearing clothes made of two different kinds of fabrics. Right. So uh, I wanted to show sort of the absurdity of the so-called fundamentalism by showing that uh, they were just cherry picking what parts to follow. And my point is cherry picking can be fine. Cherries can be delicious. <laughs> it's all about cherry picking the right cherries because right. the Bible has wonderful passages about loving your neighbor um, the golden rule is a very, you know, that, that's wonderful. There's, um, there's a lot about embracing outcasts. Uh, that's a lot of what you, and forgiveness. So there's all these life-changing, positive um, lessons that hold up today. But then there's also, you know, ancient stuff about homosexuality is a sin or, or the world was created in seven days and we should take that literally. So, yeah, cherry pick, that was one big lesson. Cherry pick the good cherries, which is all about compassion and and, um, and loving your neighbor. I was uh, sitting at home, and I, it, I don't recall the time frame, a couple of years ago, and all of a sudden it comes on, and there's a new television show coming out. Um, that's the year of living biblically. I'm like, oh, to my wife, I'm like, holy shit. I, I, know, I, I sat with the guy who this is about. What happened? What was that all about? <laughs> like how you say, well, yes, it was a very bizarre experience because I wrote the book maybe now like 13 years ago yeah. and it had been optioned by various, all sorts of company, Brad Pitt's company optioned it for a movie. Marlon Wayans was attached at one point and then it finally made it to a series on CBS. Um, uh, now I don't, uh, the Bible says not to say negative things. So I, <laughs> I have I happen to think the people who put it on, the producers and writers and actors, were wonderful. They were very talented. But somehow, in the machine that is CBS, yeah. it got dumbed down so much, mm. and they flattened it out. Uh, I knew we were in trouble when CBS said that the actor could not have a beard uh, because it might frighten viewers. And I was like, uh Oh, that's not a good sign. And indeed it became very, uh, you know, this it, sort of oh. watered down tapioca. And, um, it was a, yeah, I always talk about being grateful. So I was really grateful for the experience cause I got to go to LA and hang out with the actors and eat the, um, uh, you know, eat the, uh, free, uh, craft services. But, uh, but I was also quite relieved when it was canceled after oh. uh, 13 episodes. Tell me about uh, Drop Dead Healthy, which is an, ex your titles are extraordinary. I love that. So, so Drop Dead Healthy, the, the premise is pretty clear from the title, but tell me how that came about and, and what you did. Yeah, that one came about um, because I am uh, not very healthy or I wasn't. Uh, I wasn't uh, traditionally obese. I was more of um uh, sort of the uh, skinny fat is what 
people called me. So the I looked like a snake that had swallowed a goat. So a huge <laughs> stomach and everything else was skinny. Okay. Oh, <laughs> so, that's funny. Okay. Yeah. And I would get sick all the time. I had just a terrible immune system. And, mm-hmm. and my wife was the one who said, I don't want to be a widow in my 40s. Like, yeah. you got to get in shape. And I said, all right, if I'm going to do this, why not? make a book about it. And I decided I'm going to go all the way. And I did the same as I did with the Bible. I wrote down hundreds of pieces of medical advice. And I said, I'm going to try everything. I'm going to reform every part of my life, the sleep, the diet, the exercise, the sex, how do I go to the bathroom, uh, how I walk, how I talk. And it was a remarkable, it it was originally just a year, but I was so bad out of shape. It took me two years. And, um, and again, there are parts that were just horrible and parts that have changed my life for the better, including I would be on it now, but I love my treadmill desk. Uh, I really do work on uh, and get my 10,000 steps, especially now during COVID when I can't go out um, much. So I am a big fan of, because there are all these studies that say how creativity and attention are linked to being physically active. And, uh, and I feel that if I try to work all day sitting down, I literally will fall asleep on the keyboard. So that's just one of the changes that, uh, that, that book has, has had for me. You know, in, in recent years in particular, this, this concept of biohacking, at least as the phraseology people are using Mm. so popular. And, And I was just surfing the net and I saw this one guy, he's like, Oh, I'm the, uh, father of biohacking and my, I will live for 180 years. Um, which, which maybe that's like a medical hack that maybe will, will manifest, but what have you found, um, really does, first of all, what's the definition of health too? Because for some of those folks, it was longevity, mm. energy. What, what is the definition of health? Well, for me, it's not necessarily having, uh, you know, the, the abs, uh, and being able to bench press, you know, 500 pounds. For me, it is being able to be energetic and to live a healthy, long life. You don't want to live a long life if you are unhealthy for the last 30 years. So to me, it's like, um, it's a combination of that. So, uh, you know, I'm married, so I don't focus as much on, you know, the, um, having the perfect body, but I just, I do want to be around for my kids' weddings if they decide to get married. Uh, so that's what I, and I will tell you, my, one of my big takeaways of that book is there are, there are no silver bullets in terms of right now secrets that they're mm. not telling you about health. I mean, it is, I could sum it up in a paragraph 90% of what you should be doing. And it's stuff that you know, which is you should get some exercise. You should eat real food instead of processed food. Don't smoke. Um, don't get a lot of sleep. Uh, stress really is bad for you. Uh, don't hit yourself in the face with an ax. You know, don't, <laughs> these are That's very obvious things. So that is not the, to me, the secrets are how to, uh, get yourself to follow these very obvious. Oh, interesting. Yeah, yeah. 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 What are the ways to motivate since we all know it? And so few of us do it. How, uh, do we do it? And those, I did find some very helpful, uh, 
I'll just give you two. One is just the idea of micro goals. I think about this every day because mm-hmm. every morning uh, when I, I put on, I'm, I'm like, should I, should I do my 2000 steps in the morning before uh, while I'm emailing or should I just relax? And I say, no, you know what? I'm not going to commit to those 2000 steps, but I am going to commit to a micro goal of putting on my sneakers, my socks and set. that's it. I'm not promising anything more. I put on the sneakers. I got a little momentum. I'm like, all right, I'm just going to get on the treadmill for one minute and see what happens. And I'm on it for a minute and that turns into 20 minutes. So for me, micro goals are huge. Uh, it sounds like that would play out in all aspects of, of commitment or self-commitment. Yeah. It worked too. Like, yeah, I'm all, I'm going to commit to writing a paragraph and we'll see what right. happens. I just need to get that out there. Uh, or I'm going to commit to one email. Uh, I'm not going to have to answer like all 25 emails, just yes. one email and you get the momentum. And it's so, for me, it's so powerful. Um, and then another one is, uh, let me think, I'll just give you one other cause I, there are a bunch of them I find, uh, helpful for me. But one is there are some studies about how thinking about your future self really does have a profound impact. And again, not just in health, but in, in work and in, in anything. So I, um, I try to, you know, there's the, the current self that's like, well, I could just sit on the couch and eat Cheetos and, and have a great time. Or I could be nice to my future self. That future self wants me to get up because that future self won't be around if you don't do something. So I try to treat my future self almost like a separate person, like a friend or a, oh, interesting. a family member who I would uh, try to do something um, uh, considerate for. And I actually, you don't have to do this, but I, I took it uh, very literally. And I, there are these apps you can get, which will, physically age your face. And so I printed out myself as like a 78 year old and I put it, I have it uh, up on my wall and uh, it is, you know, sometimes I'll look at it and be like, you know what? I should treat that older AJ with the respect that he deserves. That's interesting. That's it. So, um, because these, these little, and the word hacks is not appropriate, but I'm going to use the word hacks because I can't think of anything else. Micro goals, future self. Do do you have another, you said you quite a few. I'm just curious if you get one more because, because I can Mm. see now it's not knowing what to do is actually being able to execute on it. Is there any other way you convince yourself? Sure. Um, Well, another big one is, uh, is just the Odysseus strategy that you might've heard of, you know, how, um, Basically, it's I don't trust myself and I don't trust my self-control. And this is based on Odysseus uh, when he was on his ship and they knew they were going to hit the sirens who are these. Oh, right. Who sing. And yeah. And he knew that if he heard them singing, he would dive in and they would eat him. Uh, So he made his sailors tie him to the mast. Uh, so he couldn't jump over and put uh, wax in his ears. So I find that an incredibly, you have to plan for um, and plan to resist temptation. So that could be anything from something simple, like I use freedom on my computer, uh, which is 
the software when it cuts you off from the internet. You don't have a choice. You don't have a choice. You can't get, unless you restart, which is a pain in the ass and embarrassing. Um, uh, so that would be one or even something about food. Like I know that if the you know, chocolate chip cookies are at eye level and I pass them, I am going to dive in like right. Odysseus would have. So I put them, you know, I will hide them uh, on the highest shelf. Uh, I, I take my iPhone and I put it in uh, another room. So just planning ahead. To so you don't have to resist temptation because the temptation is not even there because we only have a certain amount of energy every day allotted to resisting temptation. Uh, that's what the studies have shown, and I think they've held up. So yeah, if if you are passing by those cookies every day, it's eating away at your budget, your energy budget of resisting temptation. So get it away. I love it. I do you ever. Did you find as you were going through this experience that I don't know if it's like self psychology, but you're you're trying to set these micro goals. You're looking at your future self, your 78 year old picture. Do, do you have that self talk that says, I, that says I know what I'm doing to myself here. I'm trying to you know manipulate myself, and I'm it's me. So why the hell am I listening to me? Well, that is funny. That's an interesting. See, I almost had the opposite uh, view, which was. I don't trust myself and I am going to, I don't trust my brain and I'm going to babysit the hell out of my brain. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and yeah, you could argue, you know, who's babysitting the babysitter, but, uh, but that just never uh, plays into it. To me, metacognition is such a huge part of my life. Um, and I try all the time to, if if my mind is going down a dark alley, which often happens, I'll try to step back and have that metacognition like, wait, what's going on? Why are you doing this? Is this really helpful to you? Um, let's rein it in. Let's redirect. So, uh, yeah, I am all for, I guess, the importance of different selves. Like, you know, we all have our different selves and they should monitor each other because, uh, we should, you know, it's a team. How about that? The brain is like a team. Make, make it work. You know, your, your next book, thanks a thousand. Um, you started to, I, I believe if I remember correctly, you're, you're started thanking everybody at the most micro level. Like someone, you know, makes you a cup of coffee. You're thanking the person who made you the coffee, whoever created the coffee. Tell me what the premise is with this, uh, guinea pig experience you did. Well, this one began because I had read all the studies about gratitude and how it is so crucial to our mental health and, and our physical health. There's studies about how it helps with your uh, uh, immune system. And, uh, and I always find in my mind, it's a battle between the sort of the Larry David side and the Mr. Rogers side, the, the good optimistic side versus the cynical pessimistic side. And I, <laughs> I think I was born with a very strong Larry David says that's my default to sort of define the name. I hear a hundred compliments and one insult and, uh, you know, I remember the insult and I don't think I'm alone. I think humans do have this evolutionarily. We have a negative bias. Uh, so, but it's not very helpful now. It's very, you know, it's bad for our mental health. So this whole project about gratitude was trying to reverse that. And 
uh, I began a few years ago doing this little ritual. Uh, I'm not particularly religious, but before dinner, I would say, uh, I'd like to thank the farmer who grew this tomato for our mm. spaghetti and the, the cashier who sold me the tomato. And my son said, Dad, that's fine, but it's also pretty lame because they can't hear you. So if you really cared, you would go and thank these people in person. And I was like, that is a good idea for a project, a book. <laughs> so uh, I was like, he earned his supper and, and I set off. I chose coffee just because I can't live without it. And I chose, I decided to thank every person I could figure out who had even the smallest role in my morning cup of coffee. And that soon spiraled out of control because once you start to think about it, there are hundreds of people who have, uh, as I say in the book, you know, it doesn't take a village to make a cup of coffee. It takes the world because I, I thank the barista. Um, I went to South America and thank the coffee growers, but there's the logo designer for the coffee place, yeah. the cup designer. There's the, um, the truck driver who drove the beans, the people who made the road for the truck. Uh, uh, you know, there's, uh, it is hundreds. So I went a little overboard, but it was also quite wonderful because it really was a, a perspective changer, a, a great way to battle the negative vibes. Like you said, you went a little overboard uh, as the guy <laughs> who lives biblically. Um, how do you find like the truck driver? How did you find these individuals to actually thank them? Well, a lot of it was, you know, I'd go to the barista and I would thank her and I'd say, you know, who makes your job possible? And she says, well, you know, this ladder, I couldn't get the coffee down. So I figure out the co the ladder company and call them. And everyone I called, it was like six degrees of Kevin Bacon. Everyone I called had people that they couldn't do their job without. Uh, and, and I loved it because I would call or visit these people in person. And so honestly freaked out. Like they were like, is this a pyramid scheme? Why are, <laughs> Why are you thanking me? I'm not. Yeah. But the majority were actually quite grateful. I remember I called the woman who does pest control for the, uh, for the warehouse where the coffee beans are stored. And I called her out of the blue and I said, I know, I know this is kind of strange, but thanks for keeping the insects out of my coffee. And she said, well, well, that is strange, but, but thank you. I don't get a lot of positive feedback in my life. Uh, yeah. And, you know, this is, she described it as an anti-crank phone call. And, um, and the weird thing is it wasn't just benefiting her. It definitely benefited me because when you um, thank people, you get that little warm glow. And uh, uh, so uh, one of the big themes of all of my books is, is, acting your way into a new way of thinking. Oh, interesting. Yeah. I love that, that phrase, which I did not make up, but if you act as if you're, even if you don't feel, even if you feel grumpy and, but you force yourself to thank someone, uh, then you will, if you do it enough, you will trick your mind. And, and so, you, well, go ahead. Well, has it changed, has it transformed your sense of gratitude, AJ? Oh, absolutely. I mean, I still struggle. Larry, the Larry David side is still quite strong. Yeah. But, uh, but I have all of these rituals. I feel it's got to be like exercise has got to be a practice. You know, it just doesn't come naturally to us. So I have all of these ways of these practices where, um, 
uh, you know, I send a, a note every day to my mom with someone who has made my life better in a small way. Um, when I'm going to sleep, I go through uh, by alphabetical order. I'm like, uh, I'm grateful for something that starts with G and then something that starts with H. Um, and then just writing for this book, I pledged to write a thousand thank you notes to readers. Um, and that took, I thought it would take like a month. It took two years. It was a major pain in the ass. But it was also wonderful. It was wonderful. And it changed me. Uh, and, and I should uh, still do it. I'm going to get back to doing more handwritten notes because they, it is, you know, it's very powerful. And I wonder if that uh, starts like a butterfly effect. If that pest control woman receives this unexpected gratitude for some impact she's having on you, if she will then reciprocate that, it's a pay it forward type mentality. Yeah, I hope so. And I, I think the studies do show that. Um, uh, because one of the things I addressed in the book is, you know, what what is the downside of gratitude? Because some people say, oh, it's actually, you know, it can be used by uh, by corporate America as sort of a tool to keep people placated. Like Walmart says, you should be, you don't need $15 an hour. You can be, uh, you should just be grateful for your job. You should just be grateful to work here. Uh, so there are people who make that argument, but the research shows that's actually the opposite. Like the more grateful you are, the more you want to change the world so that other people are grateful. Mm. And I saw this like with water. Yeah, coffee is 98.8% water. So I went to the reservoir, the New York reservoir, where we get our water. And it just, I met hundreds of people who make that happen. The chemists, the people who wade out into the reservoir to test it, and the, the engineers. And, and it made me realize, you know, the fact that I can turn a little metal knob and have drinkable water in, in my house that is crazy. That is not something that was true for 99% of humanity. And it's still not true for billions of people around the world in developing yeah. countries. And it just made me so grateful for that, that I, you know, I, I looked into the best water charities and I found, and I'm not expecting a Nobel prize. Uh, oh, I will take it if offered. Uh, but, <laughs> but I'm saying, you know, it, being grateful, I think makes you more outer directed, more, more open to helping others. Uh, so it's this virtuous cycle when it's, uh, when it's working. So when we were having that dinner with Dory Clark, it was toward the end, as, at least as I recall, and we we're wrapping things up and uh, someone asked you, it was, it was likely Dory, maybe one of the other authors there. And they said, Hey, I, you got another project going on AJ. And uh, I was listening and you, and you said, yeah, I'm, I'm doing, uh, and I'm paraphrasing here, the, the world's biggest family reunion <laughs> here in New York. And, and then you looked at, you literally looked at each person in the eye and said, and you're invited and you're invited. I'm like, what the F is this guy doing? Um, do you remember that? I do. Well, absolutely. And you are my cousin. And uh, yeah, uh, that was, um, that was an interesting, also it had, it was wonderful and nightmarish at the same time. <laughs> uh, and that project started because I got this weird email from this guy who said, uh, you don't know me, but I've read your books and I'm your 12th cousin. And I thought he's going to say, you know, here's my Nigerian bank account. <laughs> right, right. But it turned out he is part of this group of scientists and researchers who are building a family tree. That's not even a tree. It's like a forest 
So we're not talking hundreds or thousands of people. We're talking millions of people. 71, like last I checked, it was about 80 or 85 million people all connected on one family tree. And I just was like, this is an awesome undertaking uh, because it's, it's not just cool, but it's profound. You know, it's you, you as a kid hear the cliche, we're one big humans or one big family. Yeah. But here, thanks to DNA and the internet, people are actually proving it and showing how we are, you know, how we are. I'm a cousin with everyone on earth, with, with you, with, uh, you know, the, someone who's a, a mango farmer in the Philippines. And uh, so I thought this is wonderful. Um, and, uh, and it was also fun because I got to figure out how I'm related to, you know, all these people I admire, like Barack Obama is my, and this is true, is my fifth great aunt's husband's brother's wife's seventh great nephew. So we're very close. <laughs> <laughs> very well connected. But, but the point is very clear, regardless of your skin color, your gender, your age, your background, your current situation, we are all of the same genealogy. We're, we're all the same biology. We're all, we're a family. Absolutely. I mean, that is, it's a very simple and almost childlike thesis. But I think it's it's super important, especially now when divisiveness is so rampant and yeah. people are so obsessed with our differences. And uh, th- I think it's really crucial to remember that we share 99.5, at least uh, 99.5% DNA, all of us. And, yeah. and we really do, you know, as I say, the, the biblical version of Adam and Eve is not quite accurate, but there really was... Uh, a man and a woman, there's mitochondrial Eve and Y chromosome Adam. And these were, uh, they didn't necessarily live at the same time, but we all, every human on earth has the, um, their genetics. Like they are yeah. the ultimate, you know, 5,000 great grandparents of us all. And, and, and it has an effect on my life, uh, like on a really, practical daylight. If someone cuts me off in traffic, I really do try to think, you know, my initial response is, God, I hate that person. And then I'm like, you know what? They are, they are probably my 14th cousin. Maybe I should just try to give them the benefit of the doubt. Like that they're, you know, their kid is, uh, is really sick or they're, um, you know, they just got fired or, you know, and it, it, it really does help to lessen the hostility that I think (laughs) comes way too naturally. Plus, you know, if they're family, you may run into them at Thanksgiving. And (laughs) I I can't uh, think of a more poignant way to to conclude this. AJ, uh, an amazing experience that you've gone through. It was an amazing experience interviewing you. Thank you so much for joining me. Well, thank you. And thank you for all of your books and all the wisdom that you uh, dispense. And, uh, And it's great to be your cousin. My, likewise, cousin. Did you hear I said in the beginning, me and the gang? I, you said me here in the gang. <laughs> me here in the gang, yeah. Me here in the gang. Me, me, me here. Me and me here in the gang. The sunshine gang. <laughs> That'd be a good band, wouldn't it? Yeah, I don't know why anybody has to Me here in the gang. And then next <laughs> week it'll be th- them there over there. Them the there other in band. the gang. Yeah. yeah.
So a few weeks ago, I said that Jeff Walker was my favorite interview we've done so far. Now, AJ Jacobs may be my favorite ever. I got some contenders. I loved this. I love this one. I was like, can we have like six, four hours of this, please? I know. Lean into that me. Was- what, what happened, Amy? Why are you? What, what, oh, why are you so jacked? God, he's so interesting. He really is a human guinea pig, the, the things that he's put himself through. So his journey for gratitude and, and how far reaching he brought it was absolutely, I was listening to the podcast and um, laughing out loud, just, just cracking, cracking up, like actually going and finding, what was it? He, he thanked the barista for his Starbucks, but then he actually like thanked the delivery guy, thanked the person who brought the ladder over so she could reach the, like the coffee on the top. It was just so far reaching was mine. Well, like when he said that, I called the pest control company and said, yeah. thank you yeah. for not having any insects in my coffee. <laughs> in my coffee. That was the one. That was the one where you I was like, like oh, are you is, prank calling me? This is next level. Exactly. I loved it. I just, I loved everything. I love his, his like, his humanness through it yes. all. Uh, and uh, his ability to like laugh at himself and, and laugh at the situations. I'm sure it had to be incredibly awkward and embarrassing and a little humiliating at times pursuing the things he did to the extent he did them, but I'm so grateful he did them. I love his insights. Can I tell you the one thing I I wrote down and I'm not going to do this for myself. I love that he did his own age progression and printed it out. And he like, I'm doing this. I'm going to be nicer to my future self. So every year I pack away ornaments and, and or whatever holiday stuff gets packed away. And one year I opened up a Christmas tub and there was a letter to Amy. And I was like, Oh, I wrote myself a letter last year and stuck it in there. And it was like, dear future Amy, I'm really sorry, but none of these string lights work. And now in the midst of Christmas season, you have to go out and bear the crowds and buy more, buy more, buy more Christmas lights. And this is missing. And a couple of these are broken. Sorry, love past Amy. I was like, that fucking bitch. She's so, she's so rude. She just doesn't care about anybody but herself. So she couldn't have done this last year when things went on clearance. She couldn't have handled this. So, I love um, that you hated on past Amy. <laughs> I do. I get really mad past Amy. Past I feel Amy like makes- maybe that's a little bit missing the point. <laughs> yeah. I don't know if this will work for you, this system. I think you should be kind to your future and your past self. Yeah. Or maybe. Okay. But yeah, past Amy is really a pain in my ass. She eats all the wrong things. And then future Amy has to go work out 10 times way harder than she should. If past Amy just didn't eat the chocolate cake. But past Amy is just constantly thinking about herself. <laughs> and future, present Amy's no better. So anyway. Well, past Amy is just human. Like. Past Amy is human. But my gosh, she's such a pain in the ass to future Amy. But I want to do this age progression mm-hmm. printout. And I want to look at that and see if that will help me be like, yes, there's a human that this behavior right now is affecting. It would be kind of nice if you did something nice for her. I love him. I just love the whole interview. And I'm sorry I ran to the middle. Amy, that reminds you me. Also, when you post in social media stuff, you are a funny writer. Like this is that story how you shared is awesome that you wrote yourself. You write some stuff on on social media. It's hysterical. It's one of the sir. things. Thank you. What else do y'all take away? Or did Amy just swap everything? <laughs> sorry, no. sorry. No, I feel like he had so many points. Uh huh. Yeah, I loved when you talked about the Odysseus strategy. Yeah, I think that that is super smart. I never heard somebody say that before, but I think that everybody needs it. Like just fight your own, you know, um, natural behavior, own temptations that you know is going to be there. 
you know, figure that out and then do whatever hacks you need to, to avoid that. Right. I, so I heard that he was accepting the fact that you will fail. He will fail. Yeah. He's like, so I know I'm going to fail and here's how I'm going to prevent or, or, or stop when the failure happens. Yeah. Yeah. I also like, go Go ahead, lovey. No, no, you go ahead. I also love when he said, uh, in terms of doing a digital detox, he called it sanctuary in time, Mm -hmm. which I thought was such a nice way to think about carving out time for yourself and not feeling this constant pull to all the things in life that pull us. Love that. Was that, was that part of the um, micro, not, not that part, but when he was talking about um, micro habits. Yeah, it was the was health. That, yeah. that was, yeah, that was really good too. Yeah, just put the yeah. shoes on. Like yeah. it starts that moment. And, and that's all you have to do. You don't have to, you're putting the shoes on. There's no guarantee that you're even getting on the treadmill, but you're just going to take that one little right. step. I love that. Like, and, I love that. And give yourself permission. Like, oh, maybe I'll walk. I'm only going to walk a minute. I'm not, pro- I'm not making myself promise anything else. Just a minute. And that's the kind of step I think works for me who happens to be very reticent to some of the good stuff yeah. I should be doing for myself. What did you think of this, uh, Jay Cabone? So well, before I get to that, Amy, this just reminded me of a, a Seinfeld bit. Uh, and like, I'm a huge fan of Seinfeld. So as soon as you said that, I remember, have you guys ever heard the morning, the morning guy versus night guy routine he does? Uh, who does that? Seinfeld? Yes. Yeah, or, uh, or George. Oh, okay. Yeah, it was a monologue from, uh, from the show. So I pulled it up just to read it to you. So I didn't screw it up. So he says, I never get enough sleep. I stay up late because I'm night guy. Night guy wants to stay up late. <laughs> what about getting up after five hours sleep? Oh, that's morning guy's problem. That's not my problem. <laughs> I'm the night guy. He's like, I stay yeah. up as late as I want. And then he says, so you get up in the morning, the alarm rings, you're exhausted, you're groggy. Oh, I hate that night guy. <laughs> See, night exactly. guy Night guy always screws morning guy. There's nothing morning guy can do. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, that's the case. Like night that's, guy that's and morning it. guy. Yeah. That's me. Um. I love when he said, um, he's like, you know, uh, a lot of these things when he was talking about, uh, how he followed the, the Bible to a T, yeah. um, you know, a lot of people don't understand Jehovah's witnesses, but really they're the Christian version of just following the Bible to the absolute letter. And, um, he talks about cherry picking and he's like, you know, so, so like a lot of times people are cherry picking, but the trick is to, to cherry pick the right cherries. Yeah. Yeah, I um, loved that. Yeah, I thought that was really cool. So com- and his ch- good cherries were compassion and uh, love thy neighbor. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And that's what I heard throughout all these experiments he's done with himself is he boils it down to uh, a realization. And his epiphany, at least from the Bible, was to your point, pick the good cherries. I thought in the health one, the, the, the take home was we already know what it takes to be healthy. There's fundamental things. Get enough sleep exercise, don't eat processed foods, right? It's basic things. It's the doing where we struggle. So I said the objective of health is just to get started, uh, those micro habits Amy was talking mm-hmm. about. And then the thankful, the thousand thanks, that book, as he was doing it, the reward of thanking others, like the more you thank others, the more you feel rewarded. And it starts this upward spiral, like who else there was reward or thanking other people because they've been thanked when they've never been thanked before. Yeah. My last, my favorite thing, when I met him face to face, this goes back so many years, but he literally was doing the biggest family reunion ever. And it was, it was funny. He said, he said, yeah, you're my cousin. And he goes, if we do the genealogy tree, we're cousins. And every human being on this planet is cousins. Like he's related to 
uh, Obama. Right, and, right. That was great. Yeah. And I thought that was just interesting that it's kind of tempered him. The next time he gets pissed at someone, he's like, well, I'm going to piss at a family member. You know, yeah, like, yeah. I, I no. got to chill a little bit. That was cool. No, that was really and it, cool. I love the kind of interconnected web of that gratitude where you realize how deep and how widespread it goes, how many people touch the like little things that you have in your day that we, I think it's so easy to lose that perspective. We can feel isolated and we can feel super independent, but in reality, there's so many people that support us in every aspect of our world. Yeah. I was thinking, yeah, just one last thing I want to share about him is his sense of humor. Yeah. Yeah. It was so great. Right from the jump. Right from the jump. When I, he goes, oh, he goes, I'm a skinny, fat, skinny. I'm like, what's a skinny, fat, skinny? (laughs) He goes, well, picture an anaconda swallows a goat. He goes, that's my body. It was just so, like, some of those comments were just so funny. Oh, I really loved, loved that interview. I, yeah. yeah. Such a good personality. Yeah, he was good. I encourage everyone to get his books. Make sure you get a thousand thanks or a thousand thank yous. It's on uh, Amazon, but also get a year living biblically. Um, it's too bad. Don't watch the TV show. I, afterwards we spoke, he's like, they just, they ruined something that was great, but definitely That's read the us. book. Yeah. And while you're at it, pick up, um, was it Drop Dead Healthy? Yes, yeah. All right, um, Jeremy, you got trivia for us? Yes, yes, I do. All right, so I, I was inspired by his uh, biblical journey. So this is a quiz on Bible themes. Oh, I'm a Sunday school dropout. Let's see how I guess. CCD was a long time ago. <laughs> <laughs> we didn't really go over the Bible very much. <laughs> Catholic, they stay away from the Bible. <laughs> All right. Question number one. In the Bible, is friction affected by gravity? (laughs) (laughs) Mike, you're going to lose this one already. No, no, I'm kidding. Okay. So question one. The blank is hated even of his own neighbor, but the blank hath many friends. Is it? Sinner and righteous, poor and rich, or unkind and kind. And I will reread that. The blank is hated even of his own neighbor, but the blank hath many friends. And what was the the options against sinner? And sinner what? and righteous. Do you want me to do you want me to read it with, with the yeah, options? Please. Okay. The sinner is hated of his own neighbor, but the righteous hath many friends. The poor is hated of his own neighbor, but the rich hath many friends. Or the unkind is hated by his neighbor, but the kind hath many friends. Hmm. Okay. I mean, right. I feel like they could be. <laughs> I don't know what the real one is. Yeah, that's a tough. That's a tough one. Yeah. All right. Question two. In the Bible, the Mediterranean Sea is also referred to by what name? Is it the Great Sea, the Uttermost Sea, or the uh, Philip Philippines? Philip, um, I think I read that wrong. Philippians. Yes. Philippian. Yeah, Philippine Sea. And then, uh, or there's an option for all, all of these. Ooh, all the above. I like that. And the final question, what two animals are allowed to be eaten 
for Passover according to the Bible. Uh, not two, just one, which is lamb. Goats and lamb or sheep and fowl. During Passover. Yes. Can be eaten. Yes. Oh my God, it's so hard. Fish isn't an option. <laughs> no. We have no, no pescatarians at the table. We eat fish on Friday. <laughs> Do you, what were the options again, those three? Uh, it was uh, not two, just lamb, meaning there aren't two that you can eat. Okay. It's just the lamb. Goats and lamb, or sheep and fowl. Okay, I'm ready. Oh, man, I'm going to get this wrong. Okay, so number one. The blank is hated of his own neighbor, but the blank hath many friends. What do you guys pick? I, I said sinner and righteous. I think it was number two. What was number two? Poor and rich. Yeah. And Oh, I put unkind and kind, even though originally I did have sinner and righteous. Oh. I originally had sinner and righteousness, too. Kelsey, you are correct. It's poor and rich. The poor, oh. the poor is hated uh, even of his own neighbor, but the rich hath many friends. Very nice. All right. In the Jeez. Bible, the Mediterranean Sea is also referred to by what name? The Great Sea, the Uttermost Sea, the Philippian Sea, or all of these? I said the Great Sea. I said all. I went all of the above because that's what they say. When it, when that presents itself in you tests, should you should go for it. Really? Huh. Ah, interesting. Well, you got it right, sir. It was all. Yes. Hey. All of them. The uttermost sea. I thought that was. That's interesting. Yeah. The uttermost. Yeah. I thought you made that up for sure. Yeah. Yeah. That's why I didn't choose that. <laughs> um, what two animals are allowed to be eaten for Passover according to the Bible? Is it there aren't two? It's just lamb, goats and lamb, or sheep and fowl. It's sheep and fowl. I put sheep and fowl too. Goats and lamb. All right. Now goats I'll say and lamb. Goats and lamb. This is a little bit of a trick question because uh, lamb is technically a sheep. It's yeah. just it's just a young sheep. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Uh, it is. Goat- I had to walk. I had to talk myself through that. Yeah. 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 It's goats and lamb, are the two. Most people think it's just lamb, but uh, apparently there is a provision in the Bible that says you may substitute goats. Have you ever My family is goat? definitely not a literal Bible people because yeah, <laughs> we had a lot of fowl. <laughs> <laughs> Have you ever cooked goat, Jer? Yes. Yeah. yeah. What's that like? Cooking it or eating it? It's bad. It. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well done, Mike. Well it, de- done. It, de- it depends. Um, I mean, you know, honestly, I think you can you can make anything. To- I've eaten horse before. And it sounds really weird and I'll probably get a lot of heat for it. But that was in another country. So don't hate me for that. Um, but it's all de- it all depends on how you cook it. You know, you can. What about oh. have you plucked the eyeballs and eaten them like a delicacy like my, my oh, sister's okay. ex-fiance's family? They were from Eastern Europe, and that was like a delicacy. Is there life like a version of Fear Factor? No, that was just that's Sunday. Never, everything. never done that. Never eaten the eyeballs. Uh, hey. Wasn't there like an Indiana Jones episode? They they have like a monkey heads or something. They got to pull the eyeballs out and they eat it. Uh, I think In, Indiana right. Jones. Yeah, yeah. In one of his. I don't remember. One that. of the reincarnations. Of He's like movie. in some kind of like rich. There's some ritual going on with all these indigenous folks of wherever he is, and they start eating the eyeballs. Did you, ever, yeah. did, you did you guys ever watch Bear Grylls, the Survivor guy? Yeah, yeah. Did, did you see the one he was in? I think it was either Ireland or Scotland, and he's he's walking through this 
deserted area and there was there was a dead i think it was a yak or something and he's talking about how you can eat all, and it, i mean it looked old i don't know how old this thing was and he he cut out the eye and took a bite and just stuff squirts, squirts oh out God. of it <laughs> and he's chewing it and it just it's, oh it just looks awful but what do you say you can eat the eyeball it doesn't yeah yeah i guess doesn't... i guess because you know something that had to do with the bacteria yeah no, 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 no. Oh. Yeah, that's okay. Yeah, I'll, that's pa- I'll, I'll pass. I'll pass. I'll on. pass. So uh, don't pass on rating and reviewing us. <laughs> great, segue, great segue. Yeah, no. Go to rateareyeball.com. Rateareyeball. Rateourpodcast.com. So go to rateourpodcast.com. That serves us. Make sure you subscribe. That will serve you. Email me. It's askmikeandmikemichalowitz.com with any question you have about business and we'll answer. So right now, what's the biggest challenge you're facing in your business? I want to know. Email me, askmikeandmikemichalowitz.com and then uh, we'll do a special episode just for you. Plus we'll promote your business. So put your link in there. Okay. Did we get everything we need to check off our list there, Jeremy? You got it. Check. Okay. Cool. We're out of here. We'll see you guys later. Thanks. Wishing you good times. Wishing you good times. Wishing you good times. Wishing you good times.